Guys and gals, it's time to geek out about radio. Now, don't feel bad if you're not a radio virtuoso. You don't have to be to enjoy this program. All we ask is that you have a deep respect and appreciation for the world of radio, especially its fascinating history in Kentucky, particularly in Lexington, because that's where our special guest spent a number of his early broadcasting years. We're talking about Kentucky Radio historian Rob Calhoun. He has gathered a number of interesting tidbits about radio across the Commonwealth in recent years. We'll let you know where to find those. And not only does Rob have experience working in Lexington alongside household names that a number of you will undoubtedly recognize, but those of you in the Henderson area should remember Rob from his days on WSTO in Owensboro, Country Radio, WBKR in Owensboro, and Soft Rock 104 FM, WIKY in Evansville. Now, Rob still resides on Evansville's west side. He'll let us know what he's doing these days, detail the highlights of his impressive broadcasting career, changes that emerged during this time frame, trends that he noticed, and he will outline the future of radio for us as he sees it. It's going to be a great show, gang, and the temperature's about to drop on us. So cozy up with a blanket by the fireplace and get ready to crank up Blabbit in the Bluegrass, Season 4, Episode 6. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Bremen to Bedford, Brooks to Bandana, blanketing the bluegrass is not just our job, it is truly our passion. Here on Blabbit in the Bluegrass as we explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore here as always at the marvelously magnificent North Quail Motel in Precious, Henderson KY. So thrilled that you're here and so thrilled to be joined today by a Kentucky radio historian. His name is Rob Calhoun, and this is kind of going to be a combination of discussing his personal background in broadcasting, which I believe to be quite fascinating, along with his observations of uh, radio's evolving history through the years across the Commonwealth, particularly in Lexington, where he spent a number of his early days. But now Rob has also collected very interesting data about the history of broadcasting in Kentucky from other sources, and all of this information that Rob has compiled can conveniently be found at one location on the web. It's lkyradio.com. But we'll spill more beans about that site later in the show, I promise you. Rob will also touch on a great deal of this historic info during our conversation. I'll tell you what, it was uh, 
quite an impressive journey that Rob Calhoun took through the world of broadcasting. Well, he's still taking it, as we'll learn. He'll share with us what he's doing now, but he spent time at uh, a number of well-known radio stations working with a number of well-known radio personalities, which we'll get into uh, definitely in depth as we go along here. And we will also get a picture of radio's future as Rob Calhoun paints it. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Now also, one thing you should know is that we mentioned share quite a bit in our conversation. And in radio, the, the term share refers to a percentage of radio listeners in a given market who are listening to a certain station. Again, it's the uh, percentage of people listening to the radio in a given market who are tuned in to a particular station. That is known as share, and that will make my visit with Rob make more sense to you, hopefully. But <laughs> I know, pretty much beyond the shadow of a doubt, that you're going to enjoy it. And before we get to Rob, I do want to remind you that I am just an email away with any questions, comments, suggestions you may have. Bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. That's how you get a hold of me. You can also touch base via the Blabbit in the Bluegrass Facebook page where you can find any and all previous shows that you may have missed or you just want to hear again. You can also stay up to date with teasers on future programs as they are presented. Make comments, leave messages. Also, remember that we are part of four podcast directories now and you can listen to and subscribe to Blabbit in the Bluegrass free of charge via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. So please, please take advantage of those avenues as well and never miss a moment of Blabbit in the Bluegrass. Next on the agenda is our Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we try to have one of these for you each and every week. I'll give you the question now. While you're listening to me and Rob blab, you can ponder it, and we will give you the answer at the end of the show. How's that? So this week, I want to know, where in Kentucky can you find the world's largest hand-blown stained glass window? Yes, believe it or not, it's right here in the Commonwealth. I want to know where in Kentucky can you find the world's largest hand-blown stained glass window. Think on that. We will let you know in the program's final segments. Good luck. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, radio freaks definitely can rejoice and unite this week as... I am so tickled pink to have with us a Kentucky radio historian. If you're from the Henderson Owensboro area, you might remember him from his days on uh, STO, WBKR, also WIKY, various stations in the area. He's also uh, an avid contributor to LKYradio.com, which is a website we'll talk more about as we go along here, but uh, that's a website devoted to the uh, fascinating history of radio in Kentucky. So, lending us uh, some of his valuable time today, let's make welcome direct via Zoom from the west side of Evansville, Mr. Rob Calhoun. Now that was an intro. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it, sir. I'm, I'm glad you approve. Now, oh, golly. Uh, <laughs> Gre greetings from the west side of Evansville, which is home to the 
second largest street festival in the country called the Westside Nightclub Fall Festival, which was about three weeks ago. First week in uh, October, they do that. Yeah, so I, w- I, uh, I went over there twice, and I uh, I got my annual deep-fried Twinkie. Actually, there it was a go. fried Oreo. That works. Yeah, <laughs> I've had the fried Twinkie several times, but they actually didn't have them this time, at least not the nights I was there, but... But uh, I definitely ate my share, and uh, you're supposed to. (laughs) Yes, that's uh, that's the law. But anyway, you've been in the uh, Owensboro, Evansville area for a while now. Where are you from originally, Rob? Originally from Lexington. I grew up there, and uh, my family moved off for a few years. And pretty much everything from uh, from kindergarten up to the time I left Lexington for about uh, I guess twenty years was was Lexington. And then I was at EKU for uh, college for a few years and then uh, settled in Owensboro in the early 90s. And about 10 years ago, made my way over to Evansville, about 40 miles away. There you go. So <laughs> you're just uh, gradually progressing westward. Shall Pretty we much, say. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I'll see the Mississippi at some point. We're glad you're here. Now, many radio warriors are uh, bitten by the bug while idolizing other broadcasters who came before them so if you would rob but talk about your earliest memories of listening Ah. to the radio along with the on-air personalities and uh, music that you most enjoyed hearing as a child in lexington ah okay well lexington was kind of blessed we were just close enough to louisville and cincinnati so i listened to a lot of what they call full-service radio. That would be the WHAS, WKRC, WLW, and and I also worked at a full-service station. So a lot of that was kind of listening to that kind of radio as far as one type of radio I enjoyed. And, uh, uh, you know, just to, with a full-service station, you're doing a little of everything, a little news, sports, whether it's sort of like uh, social media before social media. So I grew up a lot with that as far as like top 40 stations. Uh, Lexington was in an oddity about 1981, 1982, that there really wasn't anybody doing top 40 radio. You had album rock and you had a station automated. But uh, but I used to listen to WLS at night or as early as I could out of Chicago back in their music days. I think I was like the last generation to look up to that station. And another one I remember and still look back on fondly is a Q102 in Cincinnati, which uh, I received via FM cable oh. back in those days. And uh, most people got it for MTV. I got it for Q102, but they were just, they just seemed to be on top of Cincinnati. They uh, uh, just somewhat outrageous. And that kind of grew into um, kind of making them stand out for the community. And then uh, Randy Michaels, who had something to do with Q102 and then later with 55 KRC, wound up going to WLW and turn that station around. So there were those stations like that. As far as on-air people, I'm a massive fan of Larry Lujak out of Chicago. I think he is a massively brilliant man. Oh, I've heard that name before. Oh, my gosh. He just, Rush Limbaugh basically stole the act and added politics, but Lujak has just got this, somebody once described it, you know, he's the morning man of Chicago that does his best to cold cock the city and just lets him know what's going on. You know, <laughs> right? If he's having a bad day, it's usually better radio. But uh, that's just kind of a sample. I'm trying to think anybody else. There's so many people listening to you know globally on you know stations like WHAS or even where I worked at WVLK. Yeah, Jack Patty been there for years, and uh, uh, so yeah, I, I liked it. And then when I was in, um, I guess I was 
what was I, about 14, when I got to visit the first radio station and hung out and decided this was kind of a cool thing to do. So, uh, you know, whenever I think about, you know, with radio, it's, you know, listening to those type of stations and those people that just kind of inspire you. There's probably plenty of other people. Gary Burbank's another one. That, oh, uh, yes. I've heard some of his air checks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He was a hoot. A brilliant man who brought satire into the programming and did it in such a way that it was it was just, I mean, hysterical and right down the middle. So you couldn't get mad at him about it. You just had to have a sense of humor. But uh, yeah, he worked at WLW and then before that HAS. And then, of course, he uh, made a name for himself at Wacky in Louisville. So I'm trying to think of some other folks. But right there, those are some people that I just uh, kind of beyond my scope that I thought, hey, I'd love oh, to sure. just like them on the air. Yeah, and Gary Burbank uh, retired, I guess, about uh, 15 Almost, or so years yeah, ago. Yeah, he, but, uh, he uh, retired, and uh, you know he's right now just kind of chilling out for the most part. I'm friends with him on Facebook. He puts some funny oh, things yeah. on there from time to time. That's cool stuff. Yeah, Gary Burbank, for those of you that don't know, he voiced Earl Pitts American, yes, didn't he? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he also had a character. Uh, it was uh, Gilbert Gnarly. Who he played this as a guy who was just older, a little confused, and he would call companies and ask them these bizarre questions or have complaints. You know, for instance, he uh, he called up Johnson and Johnson to compliment them on their Kentucky jelly. <laughs> Kentucky jelly instead of KY jelly. <laughs> and they didn't know it at first, and finally they go, "You're you're not supposed to be eating that." <laughs> So that was one of them. He had another one he called Butterball during Thanksgiving and complained that uh, he uh, opened up his turkey and found a colostomy bag. And it's like, oh no, sir. No, sir. That's the giblets. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to those. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. That's pretty funny. But yeah, those of you that listen to WBKR have for a while, you remember yes. Earl Pitch. You know what makes me sick? Yeah. <laughs> Earl. He, he was a, a character back in the day. Now, uh, after high school, like you mentioned, you. Uh, furthered your education uh, in Richmond at Eastern Kentucky University. So uh, tell us what made you choose EKU, Rob, and give us a synopsis of your experience there. Ah, well, let's see. It was close to home, about 30 minutes away. That helped. Uh, they, had uh, a, they had a broadcasting program, but I actually went in majoring in marketing um, to just kind of get an idea of that part of it in case, you know, the radio job happened to go nowhere. Um, they had a program, uh, there, which was actually a decent program for the most part, but, uh, I wound up associating myself with WEKUFM, which oh, the was, college radio station. yeah, there's actually a very, uh, renowned public radio station. So I tried to work at the carrier current. It just didn't work out so well. So I went over to EKU and I was there for about four years and probably learned much more uh, about things. I was in news for a time, so news gathering. Uh, was a host of classical and jazz music. Having to learn those classical names was a cheap thrill. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You had to back time, too. So you went to the music going, okay, I can pronounce him. I can pronounce him. Let's see. Okay, this is the right length. I can pronounce all their names. We're playing that one to get to NPR news. <laughs> Most of those uh, names are at least three or four syllables unless oh my five. gosh yes <laughs> dimitri shostakovich and all that so so i was there and also uh, aided in recording concerts of the lexington philharmonic uh and just uh, a great place to kind of hang out and learn and then in the meantime i got a lot out of uh, the economic classes and things now ironically i didn't get much out of the marketing classes i learned all that later by reading uh, marketing books by reese and trout but uh oh, it was a gotcha. Yeah, so uh, yeah, EKU was good. I was there from 1985 to 1990, and 
uh, graduated then, and then it was facing the real world. Facing the real world. Hi, reality. <laughs> I, I hear you, sir. Now, one of my one of my favorite comedians uh, used to be a professor at EKU, but I think he was gone by the time you got there. No, he name? was there. Carl Hurley. Carl Hurley, yes. I didn't have a class with him, but yeah, he was still there, and uh, he was uh, making a name for himself back in the late 80s, doing the whole uh, tour. So he was uh, towards the end of teaching and his uh, his comedy career was just fixing to take off. So so you never got to meet him then. No, no. Actually, I met him at a function my brother was attending. It was uh, he was uh, on the debate team at Lafayette High School. And his I think his son or daughter or somebody was involved with that. So that's where I got to meet him. OK, so <laughs> he did get was to serious. He was yeah, serious. He was, yeah, it was serious. <laughs> yeah, I guess that just wasn't the right setting for Carl, Carl Hurley to cut up and and clown around. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> but at least you got to meet him. <laughs> That's the important thing. Yes, indeed. So um, you mentioned W.E.K.U. Was that uh, was that your first time on the air? Um Actually, BLK was my first time kind of touching a radio station was Jenkins, Kentucky at WIFX, which is owned by a guy named G.C. Kenser. And he was related to uh, a name in radio you saw a lot, uh, Buddy Kenser or, or Buddy Scott. And uh, he bought the radio station and my uncle was friends with them. So I went up a couple of weeks when I was spending a summer time there and just thought, hey, this is kind of cool. They let me segue records. And they had this uh, thing called the Satellite Music Network, which was all new, which it was a uh, country programming off a satellite so my important job one week yeah. is to make sure the commercials ran at the bottom of the hour i thought i was doing something important <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're making sure the station gets the bills paid <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it was like okay time to do this and oh, uh, so i God. did that and uh, after that uh, i got into high school and uh, just kind of rode around a little bit of trying to get a job and when i was a junior in high school at lafayette wvlk had a high school night they were trying to figure out what to do with their nighttime programming so i came on as part of it and i got a call from dan kelly the program director wanting to know if i wanted to come in and uh to work i'm like well yeah so that was uh <laughs> doing the sunday morning religious shows like the christian uh the christian hour which was only 15 minutes long oh sure the children's bible hour was only 30 minutes long and then uh, a couple of hours on the air which i was just the you know you, know, you want me to do what and you know you're thinking you're gonna sound big time and it's like no you're not even close so uh, yeah it was a little weird but you know eventually with time you kind of get used to it all <laughs> your experience at vlk was well-rounded wasn't it oh yeah <laughs> you know and uh, you know the thing about vlk i learned a lot they were the uh, flagship of uk at the time and they right. just they did stuff that we now take for granted you know with digital communication they did with phone lines and uh so I got a lot of background on the technical stuff at VLK, which was really awesome. And then, you know, beyond that, uh, the only bad thing about VLK is we were an AC that played some of the most, you know, I don't want to say depressing, but the, the most unfamiliar music in the world some days. And it's like, who is this artist? <laughs> well, it's on the AC chart. And it's like, I've no, nobody's anyway. So yeah, that was familiar and uh, slow in many cases. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a program director who was hell bent on adding a song by uh, Timothy B. Schmidt of the Eagles. And, they called all the record stores and finally special ordered it. I'm like, well, you know, if you're having a special order from a record store, something tells me it's just not a hit, but I was, <laughs> yeah. I was a young part-timer at the time. So I just played it. <laughs> you didn't have, you didn't have much pull at the time. No, no. <laughs> just like, okay. Now you were sometimes lucky. Oh, let's see. Oh, I can't play that song. But it's uh, news on the way next. Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, that's funny. As we've been talking about here, uh, 
you spent a lot of time back in the 80s working at uh, WBLK and in the Lexington market. Now talk about the ways in which uh, Lexington radio was evolving at the time and the most notable trends that were emerging. Well, in 1980, radio was Morse code. No, uh, <laughs> actually, it was essentially kind of like the nation. The the, the migration of listeners, listenership went to, to the FM dial by the 1980s. Um, and I mentioned earlier, we Lexington didn't really have a top 40 station because WVLK was contemporary. Well, they reeled it in musically about that time. And WLAP, which was also you know, a popular music station, they went to a big bands format. Sure. So that was going on. And something, a, a, an interesting anomaly about Lexington at that time, two of the top three stations in town were automated, like old school real-to-real automation. Right. So there wasn't much goofiness going on per se. It was kind of straight laced. And then things kind of lit up. Uh, you had a station out of Winchester, WFMI, they moved their tower a little closer and then they kind of fell into a top 40 format and did well. Uh, you had a, a station out of Nicholasville move in and that was the big thing. Everybody was moving in their FMs and same thing in Lexington. So back then it was VLK FM, K93, uh, 94 and a half WLAP FM, double Q were the biggies and VLK AM. And then it kind of fell into place after that, but, uh, kind of yeah. like the rest of the world, it just kind of evolved. K93 stayed, uh, the way it was, for the most part and did well and 94 right. and a half finally went live about 1987 when they realized that the little station in winchester was kicking their butts and they had a hundred thousand <laughs> watts it's like this ain't gonna happen but uh but Not yeah pretty chance. much that was kind of it uh it just the same evolution that happened in the country happened in lexington so yes indeed and uh kqq i know is still going strong yeah it so. started out on 98.1 which is now the bull and what happened oh, was yeah. Uh, at the time, JCOR wanted to go after K93, so they did a frequency swap. So Double Q went from 98.1 to 100.1, and then they started the new country format, the Bull on 98.1. JCOR is a name I've not heard in a while. I, I oh, know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it must have been a big uh, conglomerate back in the day. Yeah, it was, and Clear Channel ate them all up, and I think a few <laughs> other companies they chewed up on and swallowed. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Clear Channel, which is now iHeart, that's oh yes, that's one of the the big ones now. So you uh, you started VLK in uh, in high 1984. school, yes, nineteen eighty four, and I guess um, you uh, you worked there off and on throughout your uh, college years too, right? Yeah, pretty much. I was also working at WEKU in the newsroom, and I left VLK for about oh, nine months. I went to work at a station in Richmond that was trying to do a hot AC format, and uh, and I was getting more airtime, but it kind of collapsed uh, soon after that. So I was just going to work at you know at WEKU, and then VLK came uh, knocking back and saying, "Hey, you know, want to come back?" I said, "Sure." <laughs> so I spent the next couple of years at back at VLK before I headed off to Owensboro absolutely well good times we're we're glad you drifted over here eventually but let's talk about uh, some of the big name broadcasters yes. that uh, that you worked with while you were at uh, wvlk because i think a lot of people will will know at least a few of these names and one of which we, we briefly touched on already but let's talk about the legendary lexington morning man and your experiences uh, collaborating or uh, at least bonding with the great Jack Patty. Uh, never heard of no uh, <laughs> Jack Patty. He is a morning institution, and uh, he he had an interesting history with VLK. He uh, was mornings at 
uh, a station called WBLG, which is 1300. It's now a uh, sports station. He wound up at VLK doing mornings after uh, Dan Kelly left. And then Jack left to go to WLAP and then came back part-time in the early 80s. And then when Dan Kelly left again, he took over mornings in 1984 and was there, well, until this day. Uh, it started out as a music show, and then he, he started bringing in a lot of satire, kind of a la Gary Burbank, Terry Miners. And he kind of got into talk radio just because he just got kind of tired of playing music. So he right. did something called the 9 to 10 show. And he just uh, started taking calls with that. But Jack is an institution, loved working with him out on the field a lot. And uh, he had a wicked sense of humor and, and uh, just he does, you know, a very comfortable radio program. So that's why he's been a tradition for so many years. Oh, yes. It hadn't happened by accident. So Jack's still there, huh? Yes, he is doing mornings. And uh, uh, he also doubles as Santa Claus to uh, do a little work for uh, Chris Kringle in the, uh, as we're getting oh. towards this time of year. Okay. So he'll be... He'll be uh, putting the ho 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 suit on here. And you better believe it. <laughs> and his and his coworker Carl Shannon, who was mornings on K ninety three, he also does Santa. So we got some VLK people out there uh, doing their best Santa. <laughs> so he and Carl, they both. I could. Uh, I've heard. Uh, I've heard some of Carl Shannon's air checks too. They they both have perfect voices for, yes, they for Santa Claus. <laughs> oh ho ho! <laughs> That's for sure. Yes. So uh, anyway, along with Jack, I know another. Uh, Another Lexington legend that was uh, at WBLK is the same, at the same time you were, is the one and only Ralph Hacker. The man in charge. <laughs> was, he was uh, the big, the big cheese, wasn't he? He was the big cheese. You know, Ralph it, it didn't demand, but he really expected, you know, not necessary perfection, but the best you can do. And, uh, you know, as a young kid, you know, he was on my butt a lot about things and, you know, you're kind of grumbling, but um, I look back on that. And especially the experience I've had in radio in the last 25 years of working for some uh, real weasels. Um, <laughs> I look back on Ralph positive and realize that he cared about the product. And most of all, um, you know, he just knew when to make a decision when it, you know, he, he was very good at what he did. And yeah, he had a lot of pressure on him. So that's why he kind of you know, <laughs> sure. got weird with me a few times, but I learned something. So I consider him like one of the better general managers, almost the best GM I've worked for in radio. So yeah, uh, happily. <laughs> He's happily retired down in uh, Madison County these days. Madison County, yes, indeed, Richmond. And, for, of course, a lot of people will uh, remember Ralph Hacker as uh, the former play-by-play -play voice of the Kentucky yes. Wildcats. And, of course, he and Kaywood were a, a, a great team with uh, Kaywood doing the uh, play-by-play the, uh, -play and Ralph adding color commentary. So that was a great tradition there. That's true. Yes, Ralph was the color commentator back up. When you were at BLK, in fact, Ralph Hacker started the Cat Calls program, didn't he? Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, we we went crazy with our uh, pregame coverage because they just sold that much of it, and they finally got into this, you know, let's just do a call-in show going into the game, and then they do a, a call show after the game. But, yeah, Cat Calls started with WBLK and uh, uh, in the U.K. coverage. Yes, and that's, uh, you know, in some form or fashion, a call-in show has existed uh, ever yes. since then. So, uh, and then, of course, uh, we've been we've been kind of talking about Kaywood here. Did you uh, did you get to spend that much time with him? Actually, no. He worked independently of VLK. He was really more working for the uh, company um, Sportscom, is what we called it at the, at the time, which was a host uh, communications in VLK. So I saw him a few times. I mean, he was always nice, but I never really had a big conversation with him. But he is a a, a treasure, and uh, I think a few 
several of his samples of his play-by-plays are on on YouTube, which is just he he knew how to do it and do it well. He's probably one of the, yes. the best best in the history of play-by-plays. He did. He didn't sugarcoat anything. No, he didn't. When Kentucky no. stumped, he'd tell you. Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we had a thing going on before I left VLK where um, we added stereo sound to the ball games, to the basketball games. So you had Kaywood, and then you could hear the balls going up and down the court. It's pretty neat. Oh, yeah. And the shoes squeaking and all. <laughs> oh, yes. You were there. All that fun stuff. That, yes. that made you sound like you were right there. Now, uh, also, uh, another fixture that a lot of people recognize that I believe was there, at least yes. some of the time you were at VLK, is uh, the one and only Tom Leach. He started part-time in news a month after I arrived. So it was like uh, June of 1984. He is from Bourbon County, which is uh, northeast of Lexington. He worked at the local station there. And, you know, first time I heard his voice, I was like, wow. So he, he started that way. And then there was a room in the news department. Somebody left. So he migrated full-time to news. He was news director at one point and sports director. And when the UK coverage went over to clear channel, he, um, you know, went from WVOK to WLAP, but uh, very nice guy. And uh, glad to see things kind of worked out for him because he would be the, uh, he does very good on that play-by-play with the yes, UK. Yes, indeed. He's been doing football. He's been the yes. head uh, play-by-play man for football for like 25 yes. years in basketball for, I think, about 20. So yeah. <laughs> he's done quite well. Did that? Did you and Tom ever share a shift? Like you, you've been well, on there and him doing sports and stuff? Well, actually, that was his first job was he was Sunday news. So uh, I was doing, you know, the Sunday stuff maybe till noon or 2 p.m. or something like that. So he did the news at 5 to the hour. So uh, we shared some gotcha. time um, across from each other in the studio. As you uh, – pointed out on uh, lkyradio.com the urban music format happened yes. quote unquote uh, by rebellion while you were on staff at, <laughs> at wvlk so why don't you uh, expand uh, on that a little more <laughs> sir and tell us how the station's two urban centered programs the night beats and after hours after hours yes <laughs> first came to be Okay, that, this is an interesting story. Um, when I started at VLK, the AM and FM decided to sign off at midnight. It was essentially, I think they needed a board op, you know, to run things at the transmitter site, which is where programming originated after hours, and uh, they couldn't find anybody. So they, at one point, said, we're just going to shut it down at midnight. Somebody comes in at 5 a.m. and starts it up again. Well, that was the deal my first few Sundays. Well, suddenly I come in, and there's somebody on the air. And they're mixing music. It's like Anne-Marie one moment and Sheila E the next. Oh, uh, quite so, a contrast. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just new here. I don't know anything. And uh, he, this guy named uh, J.R.J.R. was just, he brought his own music in. And at the time, WVLK was facing some issues on license renewal uh, for not providing enough programming for minorities. And as opposed to getting mad at this, the program director at the time just told him, just play all the urban music that's this we got nothing else going on and it kind of picked up with after hours so uh uh he just went full full urban now it got a little weird when (laughs) he decided to play the uh full version of erotic city by prince and sheila e which has uh the f word many times and that was (laughs) suggested he not do that no more well sure i can understand that (laughs) oh yeah but it moved into the nighttime because vlk had the same problem as a lot of full service adult contemporary stations was the audience left for TV at night. So, you know, playing music didn't do much. 
So they decided to bring the urban format into the evening hours, first starting at nine and then finally at eight. So, you know, we just uh, played current and, uh, and, you know, classic. We had a couple of people that really went nuts on rap music and, and eventually it was reeled in a little bit. Uh, it, I don't think it got the reaction they wanted, but at least filled the time for a couple of years. And then when WLAP uh, changed formats and they dropped TalkNet, eventually it came over to VOK and the urban programming faded away. But it was an experiment for a few years. So, you know, you know, going into ABC News at eight o'clock, you may be playing Barry Manilow and then coming out with Cameo at 805 so you know yeah and i'm sure sure all the senior citizens probably freaked out they're like what the heck's going on here (laughs) we still ran abc news at the top of the hour and uh and even did uh ellis not ellis park uh oh what's the racetrack in northern kentucky just come turfway results there we go yeah right in the middle of all of this so it was a you know it was it was an interesting experiment i i worked it for a couple of years and uh and uh you know it was interesting because it was fun to play some of that music you know on a on an am stereo no less yeah exactly that <laughs> that was that gave you quite uh quite a story to tell anyway so i guess night beat would run from like what eight to midnight or so yeah yeah it was eight to midnight and then uh, midnight to six and then it would evolve what they did for a time they ran a, a rick d's show it wasn't the countdown but it was a a general show to transition back over to uh, the regular format. So it was like midnight to five. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. of course, uh, Rick Dees is a, a name that most of us should know quite well from the, the weekly top 40. In fact, I think yeah. he actually has a, I think he's got a farm in the Lexington area, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he does. I think it's down towards Lancaster, but uh, that's his retirement. And he does his show from down there. And from what I can tell, happy as a lark. Now, uh, during your tenure at, uh, WVLKA. In fact, this might have been uh, a little before you got there, but there was a drastic change to uh, WVLK-FM, as yes. we uh, briefly touched on earlier, but the FM switched abruptly from uh, beautiful music to yes. a country format and became known <laughs> uh, for many years as K93. So yes. uh, describe WVLK-FM's uh, transition from beautiful music to country and explain how the station awarded uh, cash to a lucky listener ah, yes. shortly and I do mean shortly <laughs> after that format switch yes. well goodness well as you said WVLKFM was stereo 93 WVLKFM beautiful music beautiful music in stereo well the problem was a lot of stations at that time playing beautiful music was noticing their demos were losing on the younger end and plus listenership gained on fm at that point so i was told by lee sherwood who was the for the program director originally for k93 the decision was a fork in the road of what to do with the fm it was either going to be chr as v93 or country as k93 and because country was you know really hot at the time they went they went that direction i remember listening to it from whitesburg kentucky which is in the same county as jenkins when the transition it was very just simple you know now wvlk no longer is a beautiful music station here you go, country music or something like that. Also, you were listening right when they transitioned. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the heck of a the heck of it all was that from the fourth of July weekend when that happened to I want to say Labor Day of nineteen eighty two, the letters to the editor and the paper, my goodness, how dare you take away our beautiful music? How dare you? <laughs> and it was, oh yeah, people were upset. And uh the ratings came out in the fall and uh, K ninety three just uh 
went right up. And, uh, and the thing that gets me about K93 is it went to new levels when Ralph owned it. And then Cumulus got a hold of it and corkscrewed it into the ground. This station, you know, had everyone was listening to it and they did everything possible to push them away. And the station that once had, uh, you know, number one with a 20 share was down to a two share. So kind of yeah. sad to see that. And the heck of it is, it was all automated. The whole changeover was just putting the new tapes on the uh, machine. And you asked about the uh, the $25,000 thing. That was a fad by a lot of stations at the time and K93 did it. And I, and I think from what I understood, it was literally engineer at the transmitter site, hit a wrong button or something and went to a commercial. So it's like, okay, pick up the phone. And if I remember, it was a guy from Lancaster who won that, uh, that uh, money I'm for gotcha. catching that mistake. Yeah, because what they did was they said, um, you know, a guaranteed four in a row yes. or, or 25 grand, right? Yes. And or, that's what they did. I, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but I talked to the guy who was the transmitter engineer and he said, yeah, I just said, what do you, what do you do? Just pick up the phone and take a call. Somebody became a lot richer shortly after midnight. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> In uh, 1982 on the yeah. uh, 4th of July weekend when they uh, when they switched formats. Pretty turned cool the town stuff. upside down. Well, as far as competition, 1300 had gone country a few years earlier and actually had their best book right before K93. So their ratings tumbled. And then there was another station out of uh, Georgetown which actually wound up being a sister station of VOK. Uh, they were country for years. And of course they also lost the audience. So that, that, that right there kind of turned things upside down in Lexington when K93 became country and they were advertising like crazy billboards all over town. Uh, they bought the, the segment right before network programming on, uh, on television. I mean, you couldn't get away from it and it all paid off to, uh, be very successful for many years. We were talking about Carl Shannon earlier, and he came to VLKFM back, what, 86 or 87? Yeah, it's when they kind of expanded things. Um, Lee had left, and they hired Carl and also Tad Murray, and both of them were mainstays in Louisville, and uh, uh, Carl was mornings, Tad was afternoons. Um, Carl's a cool guy. He, 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 he idolizes Waylon, and he kind of dresses like Waylon with the black vest and everything, but a million-dollar <laughs> voice, and it was always fun to – to work with Carl. Shane has been retired for a few years, hasn't he? Yes, yeah, he uh, he worked at some suburban country stations. It was interesting. He was on a, a, the station down in Richmond, doesn't have a good signal in Lexington, and he was beating K93 12 plus. So it's like well, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, I guess I'm sorry, whatever it was, the bear or whatever it was. I yeah, whatever they changed to with a bear. You know, that was a program director who's notorious for good ideas, but they never work. So it's sort of like your competition is the bull. We'll name ourselves the bear. Well, that makes it all confusing. <laughs> Too many animals. Too many animals, yeah. <laughs> and then also, it was just a crazy time. I, like I said, it just kind of look at the ratings on, on 92.9 in Lexington and go, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest bloody signal in the market, and it's got a two-share. That that Somebody should st- should stand up and take a bow for that effort. You crazy, know? crazy, crazy. Yes. And, their, and their biggest competition was Carl Shannon in Richmond. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, of course, Bull was there at the time, but it was just interesting. The suburban station did better than K93. It was just weird. Oh, that's funny. Of course, I know Carl had a loyal audience by the end. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> and so he had quite a following. But but anyhow, um, since practically day one, Rob, radio stations have attracted and engaged Listening audiences with uh, interactive contests oh, and, yes. uh, and thrilling prizes. And of course, well, one example is the uh, four in a row or 25 grand. But uh, anyway, if you would talk about some uh, particularly popular and creative 
contest that you helped to coordinate it at VLK and maybe perhaps some of those that were being featured on the, the competing stations in Lexington and maybe across ah. Kentucky. Well, as far as I was kind of in, on the tech side of it, so I wasn't involved with planning more execution. Uh, we gave away some cars at VLK. The most interesting was the, uh, we had listeners, they qualified by going into the, it was a pickup truck we were giving away. So we, we covered the bottom of the bed of the truck with uh, ponchos and loaded it up with a bunch of uh, cans of baked beans. So you had to go in the baked beans to find a key to start the car, see if it would start the car with that key. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we got a manure load of, of, of baked beans. I think I took some home. I think we may still have some in a cabinet somewhere for all goodness. Uh, oh. for all we know, you know. <laughs> I'm not uh, sure I'd eat them now. <laughs> no, no, a little bulge, no. Yeah. Uh, now, the more interesting one that happened when I was in Lexington uh, with WFMI, which was a small station, um, didn't have the greatest signal in town. So what did they do? They decided to uh, let you win the other station's contest. So uh, 94 and a half at the time was doing the sounds of spring. So all you had to do was call FMI and they tell you the sounds and then you could send in the, uh, entry. Then the interesting one came with double Q, a uh, double Q was doing a song of the day. So the folks over at 100 FM WFMI were listening for whatever that song was. They announced at 715. So when they started, when K, when double Q started playing the song, they would stop programming and say, call 280. Uh, whatever it's 7625 and win sure. your prize now so then double q took it up a little more and saying well you had to say double q is homo rock and roll and that was when fmi said well just call us up we'll tell you what you're supposed to say but this went back and forth it was all crazy for a time um those are the ones i remember and then um we gave away a house on k93 before i left that was uh something through the home oh, and garden show a house <laughs> yes yeah, basically, I think we had the house and we had a, I don't remember if we included a plot of land, but I know that was a big deal for a time. Like I said, a lot of car giveaways back, back when we gave away big things like that in Lexington. Right. I know when I was little, the, uh, the secret sound really took off. The secret sound. We, was that the one that we did that at K9, or not at K93, at BKR, and it was getting, <laughs> they were getting crazy on the, okay, the description is it's a, a red jacket with a zipper with something hanging off. I was like, oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> the clues I'm building it up, but that's getting nuts. <laughs> the clues were getting a little, <laughs> a little out there, but uh, that was a big thing. And I know uh, one thing I heard about this was well after you left Lexington, but one of the stations up there did a contest uh, one time. I guess it's been about uh, 10, 12 years, but they said uh, caller nine gets a hundred grand. And oh yeah. <laughs> and then they got the ninth calls. <laughs> they got the ninth caller. The, the the winner showed up at the station next day. And what did they get? A hundred grand candy bar. A candy bar. <laughs> well, there was a, another one like that. Poor lady thought she was getting a Toyota. It was a toy Yoda from Star Wars. A toy Yoda. <laughs> oh, it that's fun. Her back on the internet. Too? I don't know if it was Lexington, but you can look up Toyota in contest. I think her picture shows up and she just looks pissed. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> right in front of the Toyota. It's like, this is not what I wanted. She probably wanted to tan somebody's hide right there. Probably so, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. So the, I have no idea how the lawyers handled it, but uh, anyway, I just... You know, we were talking about your your radio days and the contest that you uh, remember from your days in Lexington. Now I'd like for you to share with us some memories, if you would, of some prominent celebrities that you were able to meet and or interview while you were uh, broadcasting in the Lexington area. 
I didn't get that, uh, that, that, uh, that thing. I was still part-time now, now later on, um, you know, especially at BKR, I met a few people and, uh, uh, oh, I can remember gotcha. Jody Messina. Just I, I used to bring people up on the executive end, you know, being Mr. Big Voice. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the, you know, that kind of stuff. There you go. <laughs> so John Michael Montgomery and uh, Jody Messina, a few others, just uh, you know, caught me leaving stage and thanking me for the intro. So I haven't really done much. I've done a few interviews. Um, oh, I think the last one I can remember. Oh, he was, uh, he's one of the temptation review, um, shows going around. I talked to him. He, he, I can't oh, remember the God. gentleman's name, but yeah, I did a quick interview with them. Uh, but that's the only one I can really remember of recent. Other than that, I've been kind of behind the scenes of all that. Mr. Temptation. That was a, that was a BKR too, man. Yeah. That was interesting. We were promoting a Motown show on BKR, but you know what? I hope it worked out for him. Um, but it was fun, fun to talk to him and trying to relate it to the country audience, audience rather. I mean, many of the audience that we had grew up with rock and roll. They just migrated to country. So, uh, you know, but obviously they knew who the temptation was and temptations were and uh, probably sure. have a, on a CD or something in the car. So there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I think, thinking. yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe wishful thinking, but oh, well, uh, I do remember one morning on BKR, you mentioned, uh, how back, I, maybe it was a, while you were at EKU or maybe working in Lakeland somewhere. Uh, didn't you get to meet the uh, the Exile Boys? Um, actually, no. Um, no. I saw them, actually, I've seen them twice at the Opry. Now, Exile and WVLK had a really deep relationship with that band back, well, really, really into the country days. Uh, WVLK was the first station in the country to play Kiss You All Over. And they had oh, a plaque for that in the over. studio. And uh, again, they used to kind of promote the shows back when they were the Exiles, and um, so we uh, we a big relationship with Ralph and Jim Jordan and those people. So saw a lot of them. I never saw them up close, but uh, we did play their music from time to time. There you go. So yes. you at least got to spend their records. I know all those guys are from the Lexington area. So. Yes, yeah, uh, Lexington and Richmond. Actually, funny you mentioned uh, they were taping this. Uh, I do a feature on uh, my morning show. The number one country song on this date in 1984 was "Give Me One More Chance" by Exile. So there you oh, go. Oh, I remember. Well, I wasn't alive yet, but I have heard that song plenty of times, and <laughs> it's a good one. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> Mom and Dad used to talk about when when they were in college at UK, and they would see the uh, like some of the Exile Boys back then. They called themselves the Breeding Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> does the Breeding Bunch does that name ring a bell? The Breeding Bunch, yes. Yeah, that was a club. Uh, I can't remember where they were. I think it was downtown near a uh, Rupp Arena. I think. Yeah, Breeding's Nightclub. That was a big deal back in the day in Lexington. Oh, I gotcha. That's how they got their that's how they got their name, I guess. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, then of course later it became exile. Now, uh, when did you first arrive in the uh, Owensboro Tri-State region? Ah. And uh what exactly brought you to this area, sir? Oh, okay. Let's see, that was June of 1991. Um I had graduated college. I was kind of like deciding what to do. And, and I always liked BJS and STO and essentially for years, um, those two stations were kind of like a DJ mill, kind of a DJ, DJ college. You had a uh, program directors, you know, between Joe Lowe and Barry Witherspoon that were radio people and just kind of understood the product and were very good teachers to say, okay, I know what you're trying to do. Here's how you're supposed to do it. But yeah, I got there. I wanted to learn how to do radio, and it was a, a well-equipped situation. And uh, like I said, first I worked for Joe, and then a few years later I worked for Spoon. Um, 
And like I said, they were very good at molding you in a direction that not only kind of brings out yourself, but also kind of keeps it within the the 40 acres as it were. So yeah. Yeah. And, that was a, it was a good training ground for jocks, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I wish there was that today. I've listened to some stations and like time breaks. It went five minutes ago. My goodness. What <laughs> we got nothing out of this. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But I worked with some great people. I mean, Joe Lowe, Dave Steele, he was Dave Barrett on the air. Uh, Brian Jackson. I'm sure oh yeah. I remember Mage. Oh yeah. Uh, Jamie Richards, a bunch of great staff there between the two stations. And it just, unfortunately times changed. So the AM yeah. switched to, uh, all news abruptly and I was released. Yeah. And then, uh, um, eventually real media bought the stations and, uh, and that didn't go so well. And eventually right. 96 went over to, um, Engelbreck and South central to kind of replenish itself. Uh, but at the time, it was a great place to work. Plus, I had family here, so I made it a little easier. But it was a great place. Like I said, back then, there were, you know, the full service stations, WHAS, WBLK, WVJS were all just kind of up there as how you're supposed to do it. So it was good to work there when I was there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was good training ground, too. Now, you're going to shift on STO. I remember, let's see, you were there a lot on Saturday nights, weren't you? Yeah, that's when I first came in, uh, working Saturday nights. and. Uh, and eventually brought in to do a midday shift and that didn't work out and it was just kind of decided you sound good on nights and i got put on nights and the, the you know which was a good thing at the start but unfortunately brill media was doing some real crazy things behind the scenes that was the including of you know releasing brian jackson and putting a morning show that nobody heard of on the air and effectively right. thanked the radio station and it was just kind of you know i went through that working for cromwell you know, and when something stupid happened and watching a staff turnover in three months, sure. this, this case, it was about a year. So it, oh, um, nice. it just kind of wound up being kind of screwed into the ground. And then when Engelbrecht bought it, they just decided to end 96 STO because it just, that was it. So that's when they became hot 96. And then I guess, uh, after that, it was, uh, BKR for you, right? Oh yes. BKR. Uh, that was kind of a, not a fun experience behind the scenes. Um, gotcha. I guess I hit it well on the air. Um, it was just, I wanted a full-time job and, and there wasn't any, they put me on a morning show, which was kind of awkward. Um, the first person I had for my, uh, co-host was, uh, the program director and there was not much direction out of him and what we're supposed to be doing. And then he left and then came uh, moon Mullins. who was a little bit better, but yeah. and I can speak highly of Steve Horn. He, he, he works his, his, uh, his tail off. He is probably one of the nicest people I've worked with in radio. He was there at the time. Oh, I agree. Kelly and I were a uh, terrible twosome at times. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly G. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. We can kind of confided in each other on things going on. And uh, I, I guess Dan, the band man was there. Yes. Brent Gardner. He <laughs> is still there today. He's working in production. He and I have worked together um, many years. He came in a VJS before the end. And then we wound up working together at STO. And then he wound up at BKR and he and I actually, I got to give him credit uh, when the big snowstorm happened back in uh, Christmas, the 2004, um, he stayed to run a UK game. And oh. once the game was over, the idea was he was just going to go home. Well, apparently when he went on the air to talk about things, the phone started ringing and the, what it boiled down to was every call was saying, you're the only live voice we've heard on the air. Everything else has been music or automation. And he took it upon himself to stay on the air all night. Um, oh, what a just, guy. 
Yes. <laughs> and I came in at four in the morning. Well, first the alarm, I got up about two and I'm well, what the hell's Brent doing on the air? And uh, <laughs> I came in and he told me about what was going on. It was, it was mind boggling to, you know, look, there are people stranded. You're, oh, you know, you're the funny. only voice. And, um, you know, I was on the air, I guess, two or three days in a row for eight hours once we got past all that. But uh, it was yeah, a crazy night. And Brent just kind of said, and the thing that Brent was doing, he was he was reaming some of the industry in the area for making people go to work. I mean, he didn't care. He was just talking about, you know, that means you got to stay home. You can't make these people go into work. So I was playing good cop and he was bad cop. I was like, you know, well, you know, he's right about that. But, you know. <laughs> It was crazy that night. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I, you know, it's one of those things. I'm glad we were there, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it was uh, a lot of effort to uh, get that oh, out. Sure. There. It was a lot of effort. I do, gosh, that, that ice storm of 04, that's definitely the biggest. Uh, actually, yeah. well, it was a snowstorm. It was two feet. Oh, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> definitely the, the ice storm was 09. So that was a few years later. But. I was not on the air. I was on the air for 94. We had the big snow. I was at BJS and then uh, I missed the ice storm. And then I got to enjoy um, the 04. And then, um, you know, I think I have one more, one more other weather thing that happened at Wiki. But, uh, but uh, you know, just yeah, being a jack of all trades and giving the information out. Yes. <laughs> you were a, a messenger <laughs> delivering the. Uh, the info yeah. to, to folks yeah. that needed to be in the know. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too. What kind of made me angry was all these, you know, broadcast owners, you know, we serve the community. We're the ones for emergency information. And the entire dial was basically nothing but uh, um, but just generic stuff. And it yeah. was interesting. I mean, we got calls from people on I-24 in Tennessee because we were the only station talking about it. Oh gosh, that that speaks that yeah. speaks volumes of that big KR signal there. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, uh, and like I said, it was just kind of one of those mind-numbing moments of, you know, I can't, you know, the '94 snowstorm in my building alone. It was me, Beach, and uh, uh, and some other people that were in. The same thing over across town at BKR. And it, like this time around, it was like, well, you know, it was overnight. So nobody cared. It's like, well, obviously they did. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> With a lot of those stations, you know, the the big storms hit and. Uh, yeah what do they hear uh, a beautiful song perhaps basically that yeah <laughs> yeah so that was sad but but anyway yeah rob i know that during your uh you know your many years in radio broadcasting you've worked in virtually every musical format known to man so uh of the many genres that you've dabbled in just out of curiosity which one would be your favorite and why Oh, goodness. Um, I guess I'm partial to full service radio, which is kind of a rare thing anymore. I mean, uh, Wiki still kind of qualifies for it, but it's not quite what it was. I always liked that radio because, again, I listened to, to WHAS and LWU 55 KRC in Cincinnati. And of course, working sure. at VLK, you kind of get the groove of it. And it was essentially being able to you know, convey information conversationally. So it's like, OK, there's traffic jam going on. You just want to kind of add a little something to it and and. So I always loved that kind of radio, but I don't think there really has been any format I disliked. I've worked um, news at WEKU and a couple of other situations. Um, I've worked, uh, what else at EKU? It's classical and jazz, which again, we talked about earlier. You learned to pronounce all the names. <laughs> yes, I can't pronounce it. We're not playing it. Um, <laughs> I did oldies, which was kind of a challenge because I love the music. But when you have to play, you know, My Girl every day, it got a little weird. Um, <laughs> sure. I did, I did CHR at STO, uh, and had a ball with that. And then also, also country, which I guess right now country I'm comfortable with. Um, you know, I, I do a morning show for, uh, WNOI's, uh, um, I would say translator, their HD two signal, which is on a translator. And 
I just kind of go with it. It's kind of enjoyable and, uh, and just to do radio. So yeah, full service is the one I like. And I got, like I said, I got to do that again at Wiki. And there's a lot of people kind of commenting. You just kind of sound natural. It's like, well, that's what I've done for years. So it was easy. <laughs> yeah, this is sort of my bread and butter. Exactly. Sure. Yes, indeed. Now, WNOI, is that, that's the one in Florida, Florida, Illinois? That is it. That is an island of radio. And I love these people. Um, the owner and the management didn't get into the buying spree. Everyone else around them did. And they just kind of kept plugging along as a local radio station. And about five years ago, they bought a new transmitter and they decided to go HD and take advantage of the translator um, situation. And they went on the air with it. I actually went up there literally the day that they were uh, signing on a good friend of mine, Dave Hurdles, their engineer. And Dave suggested me and I went in to talk to Randy and okay, that's good. Go on and do it. So I do it by remote control here at home. Um, so I've been doing that for five years. I was afternoons until about a year and a half ago. The guy that was doing mornings, Kirk, Kirk Wallace, his real name is Kirk Wallace. He was um, Zach Steele on the air. Uh-huh. Incredible person on the air. Just a great consummate, smart ass, entertaining. Oh, passed sure. away of, yeah, he passed away of liver cancer last year. So I took over mornings. So um, I just basically Same. do my little thing here from uh, from Evansville and you know, I get my information off the internet with their website. And I just think the fact Randy and Brenda, who are the two principals are retiring and they've made a transition. So it'll be hopefully smooth sailing, but they did a really good job doing great local radio. Well, that, that's good to hear. And so we'll, we'll put in a plug for your show. That's on a WNOI HD two. Yes. WNOI.com. And there is a listen link. And the other thing I do is I work for a friend of mine, Todd Edwards, who, uh, worked around here for a time in the 80s he's got a it's a hobby radio station called trick fm that trick i FM. just do for giggles and it's you know i'm just doing it for free because he's not making any money but it's interesting that uh, his station sounds better than some of the stations up in indianapolis where he lives so that's just my <laughs> little thing it takes 30 minutes i become you know i'm a little bit more outgoing on on trick than i would be on a country station since it's kind of a well, family audience so i can I imagine be, i had to be more vague on my innuendos sure <laughs> yes indeed so much uh, is trick fm strictly online strictly online he has it on a part 15 transmitter so he goes around for a block but he just uh got friends of his that were in radio and the uh, voice tracking program is very simple so um, I do that. In fact, Todd and I do it for the same reason. Sometimes you work in the backyard, you want to listen to music so you can kind of air check yourself at the same time. Right. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So two places where you can uh, check yeah. Rob out. It'll be well worth your time. Now, Rob, a handful of my previous questions were inspired by info that I gathered on the wonderful website lkyradio.com and that's uh, yes. as we mentioned it's a, a fascinating page that's devoted to the history of Kentucky broadcasting so uh, you're an avid contributor and so for those yes. uh, radio freaks across the commonwealth who sadly have not yet visited uh, give us an overview of what we can see and hear on this one-of-a-kind website Nothing but llamas. No, uh, <laughs> actually, it's run by a guy named John Quincy from uh, Charleston. He's actually from the Lexington area. And his first site was 79waky.com, a tribute site to that station in Louisville that was around back then and actually has reincarnated on the FM dial and doing very well in Louisville. So Wacky was a great station. It uh, it had Gary Burbank in the afternoons, Johnny Randolph, who's the longtime program director, who uh, passed away a couple of years ago and oh, then you have the site dedicated to wacky's competitor 
1080 WKLO.com. I got to say it right. 1080 WKLO. <laughs> Mr. Big Voice. <laughs> they, they, they had you enunciate the call letters at KLO, so you had to do that. So that is also a site. Well, anyway, he had enough material to uh, essentially do the rest of the stations between Lexington and Louisville. So LKYradio.com came to play. So uh, a lot of memories. Uh, I've sent him a bunch of stuff. Uh, Moon Mullen sent him a stuff, a bunch of things uh, as well. So they have anything they can find on some of the stations in Louisville and Lexington. Uh, if you were in Louisville, if you remember WTMT, also uh, uh, WCI Radio and a few others like that. And, sure. Uh, same thing for Lexington. You know, a lot of stuff on VLK, LAP and and some air checks on there and photos. So LKYradio.com is where you can find that. And there are links on there to get you over to Wacky and to WKLO. Yes, indeed, both of them. And I, I must say that if you go to the WHAS page, gosh, some yeah. of those air checks, they all the way back to like the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> and they also have uh, the, the, the situation that kind of put HAS on the map in the last probably 50 years was the April 3rd, 1974 tornado that uh, the touchdown in Louisville was at the fairgrounds and HAS went uh, continuing coverage. And, and the, the most amazing part was their traffic um, copter uh, person, uh, Dick Gabriel. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Dick, uh, Dick Gilbert. I'm thinking of the sports. Okay. Guy, well, I, know, I know Dick Gabriel. Yeah. I know that voice quite well. But. Yeah. Dick, uh, yeah. Uh, the other guy. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he had just gone up in the air right before all this happened. And when it started touching down at the airport, he came back around and essentially did a play-by-play of what was going on and telling people, okay, it's heading over to this part of the town and, and uh, did a remarkable job. And HAS, like I said, they just stayed on the coverage. And this was before the fancy TV radar and all of that and all the liveability of TV. So they, they really made a, made a name for themselves uh, back then. Sure. So they get a lot, of, uh, a lot of weather goodies out of that as far as having that image. So from <laughs> from uh, classic weather forecasts to yes. uh, you know <laughs> talk and, radio clips, just whatever you can imagine, it's on there. And the other thing that he managed to collect was the uh, the derby montages. Every derby for the last gosh, I guess going back to the seventies, uh, WHAS would produce a ten minute montage of all their coverage, and they would air it several times Sunday and also through the week. So all of those are on lkyradio.com on the whas page see so if you want to go back and relive secretariat memories <laughs> now they don't go back that far but still, uh, okay I mean, well, that might be a stretch but yeah <laughs> so for derby memories and other air checks and uh rob calhoun's enlightening tidbits there visit you lkyradio.com and uh check it out for sure well this has been great i have sure enjoyed it i hope you have rob I have too. It's fun talking radio. It's always, <laughs> always fun talking yes. the topic. You never have to twist my arm to talk radio either. Now, last but certainly not least, based on your broadcasting experience, along with the observations that uh, you've gathered of uh, constant changes in the field through the years, what do you believe the future holds in store for the world of radio? Oh, goodness. Um, I have a little bit more of a grounded reality when you figure that, um, you know, we've had one generation that when they were in high school suddenly had Nap Napster for downloads. And then suddenly you have these devices that can hold so much music. And, you know, many people say, well, it's just like a cassette player. It's like, no, it's a cassette player that holds an entire station library. Um, 
And I, I still believe that radio is missing that boat and understanding that eventually life is going to be streaming. Right. And, and that's something now, is it going to wipe off the radio dial? Of course not. Now, some operators that are still doing something local and into the community will still do radio or they may migrate to something else. Uh, but the problem I always like to, to bring up is you got a bunch of owners that treat radio stations like a laundromat. They just go in and clear out the coin box and go home. So there's not much local radio. And the other thing too is, is honestly, you got people running radio stations that not only don't really get it, they're also like pushing 70 years old. So the 1990 paradigm of how to do things is kind of outdated. Sure. Uh, you know, so it's one of those things that I think there's going to be a herd thinning at some point um, because the other issue is too, a lot of that revenue is going to digital. So it, it's going to be interesting the next few years. I mean, again, I don't want to see anything bad happen, but then again, you know, you've got consumer behavior to deal with. That tends to be the reality of it. So I, I like I said, I like, for instance, my station in Flora, you know, who knows that in five years, they might migrate into some kind of an online situation that does the same thing, talks about local events and what have you. And, um, you know, so that, again, that's the kind of the one thing about radio that kind of irks me is that they don't see that future. They just say, Hey, we got 92% of the audience. Well, that's nationwide, you know, yeah, and, not local. And <laughs> yeah. And it's not a, on a local level and that's fine. But I think that, you know, radio has learned in the past that behavior changes so you got to go with it and i just will kind of see what happens if they if they kind of look ahead and see where they need to be wonderful but if they're going to still push 1990 ideas then it's going to be kind of a, a rocky road so who knows what's going to be it's uh, there's going to be some kind of audio service out there i mean like what oh, we're yeah. doing now exactly uh, so it, it's just a matter of migrating to it and um and um keep the money coming in so we can have fun <laughs> yes indeed and, uh, there is a tender spot in my heart for radio actually so uh, i oh, hope yeah. that um, they can survive but the bottom line like you said they're just gonna have to figure out a way to combat the uh the streaming yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean and that's the thing too it's not like you're limited to five radio stations i mean you bring in you know any station you want i mean it doesn't make that station much money per se but that's kind of what it is it's not like the dash where you had am fm and tape i mean my car radio is satellite radio bluetooth all these apps so you know it's it just a matter of keeping radio to the the focus and keeping it up there's the biggie absolutely <laughs> couldn't have said it better myself well uh rob you'd be good thanks so much for coming on with us today sir oh this isn't the rehearsal oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah hate to break it to you <laughs> oh well we did okay with it. hey been a pleasure to do this today and uh we can do it again some other time if you need to talk a little bit about radio. Rob Calhoun is the man. And I tell you, I could certainly sit there and listen to him all day long talk about radio's various facets and former radio personalities, current personalities. Shoot, Rob could probably make a code of conduct sound halfway interesting if he absolutely had to. Now, when we think about the uh, ways in which radio has evolved through the years, particularly in terms of technology, Rob is currently benefiting from one of the more high-tech modern adaptations. I guess it's still somewhat modern, even though it's been around for a little over a decade now, and that is the voice track. And a voice track is basically another name for a pre-recorded show. And it's thanks to the voice track that Rob Calhoun is able to pre-record his daily morning show 
that he does for a station in Flora, Illinois. He's able to do that from the comfort of his home on the west side of Evansville. And then upload it into a computer system and voila! Takes just minutes. <laughs> and uh, there are pros and cons to a voice track, which is a different debate for a different show. But it's certainly a pro for Rob Calhoun as it allows him the flexibility of uh, doing his show from home on the west side of Evansville to be enjoyed by the uh, fine folks in Flora, Clay County, Illinois, and all over that particular portion of southern Illinois. So, I sure appreciate Rob Calhoun coming on with us today. I will link you to the website to which he faithfully contributes fascinating tidbits about Kentucky Radio. Again, you'll find that in my show notes. It's lkyradio.com. And if you click on the station pages for WVLK and WLAP, Rob has a number of fascinating radio facts about those stations and then a few others in uh, Lexington Radio. But again, there are a number of stations featured on the sites and you can find uh, old newspaper articles devoted to those stations, air checks, you name it. You can just have yourself a ball on LKYRadio.com. And uh, of course, you don't have to go far to find it. Thanks to my show notes, okay? So, I'm looking for you back here next week. Before we put this puppy to bed, I have the long-awaited answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster. Of course, we asked at the beginning of the show, where in Kentucky can you find the world's largest hand-blown stained glass window and your answer? be the Cathedral Basilica of the Assumption. How's that for a bit of a tongue twister? The Cathedral Basilica of the Assumption, that is located in Covington. It is the mother church in the Covington Diocese. But uh, anyway, they have 82, 82 stained glass windows depicting various Bible figures and scenes, but the most impressive of which is one depicting the Council of Ephesus. And that particular window is 67 feet tall, 24 feet wide, making it the largest hand-blown stained glass window in the world. It's right here in Kentucky, and they have daily mass too during the week, Monday through Friday at 8.15. It's open to anybody, so you can uh, go to Mass if you're ever in and around Covington, and then afterwards you can uh, take a tour of the facility, see the 82 stained glass windows depicting various Bible figures and scenes, most importantly the Council of Ephesus, which is depicted on a uh, 67 feet tall, 24 feet wide window. How about them apples? The Cathedral Basilica of the Assumption in Covington, KY, home to... This large, that's an understatement, window. <laughs> Largest hand-blown stained glass in the world, to be exact. And come on back next week for another Bluegrass Brain Buster. In the meantime, email me, bluegrassblabbit at gmail.com. Like and follow the Blabbit in the Bluegrass Facebook page for previous shows, future updates. Also, make comments, leave messages, and don't forget to catch Blabbit in the Bluegrass on one of four podcast directories, those being Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. So don't miss a minute in between now and next week's show, which will come out on Thanksgiving Eve, 
That would be November the 24th. You do me a favor. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep laughing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide because we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.